process. Alright, podcast will begin in 3, 2, and 1. Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Phil Harvey, and today I'm joined by our senior editor in Raleigh, North Carolina, Kelsey Zeiser. Hello, Kelsey. Hello, Phil. You're in Raleigh, right? Yes. Why do I keep thinking you're in Charlotte? Come, come down to Charlotte. There's a lot going hey, on. There's a lot of stuff here. <laughs> right. I always want them to be more specific. Like, you've got a lot of what? Like, <laughs> got a lot of bananas, I guess, <laughs> or something. I don't know. Potassium. <laughs> oh, man. It's so funny. Well, anyway, yeah. So you're based in Raleigh. You're on the, you're on the eastern part of the East Coast. And we are, um, or at least from where I sit, you're on the East Coast. I mean, that's as East Coast as you can get, right? Yeah, Raleigh's um, more or less in the middle of North Carolina, sandwiched between the beach and the mountains. We're in the Piedmont. Probably more information than you wanted to know. No, yeah. that's that helps me situate it just fine. Yeah, my, we have my, our my ignorance hill. of the geography from everything from Florida up to Lower Manhattan. I just don't know what it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what any of it is. <laughs> Anyway, that's a typical Texan take on geography. Um, I will. Uh, so let's start out this conversation by saying, first of all, you do a lot of things here at Light Reading. Um, you are curator in chief of the um, 5G exchange, and we should talk about that, but just in a minute. Um, you're also uh, a senior editor covering SD-WAN and also do great uh, service provider interviews for us. And uh, you contribute to our women in comms coverage, which is just regularly occurring coverage of uh, women's issues and communications. And I saw um, the other day, I think it was DreamHost, which is a um, a WordPress uh, hosting platform. They did a study on uh, women in tech, uh, broadly, you know, technology in general, and, uh, you know, not specific to telecom, but they were saying that only 25% of the computing jobs are held by women today, and that's been in steady decline for a number of years. And they're also saying that the turnover rate in the tech industry for women um, is about uh, twice as high hmm. uh, for women as it is in men, forty-one uh, percent versus seventeen percent. So that really, in, in a nutshell, is why we continue to have women in comms content because um, everyone who is you know, not a male in this industry needs uh, a community. They need to know they're heard and seen and appreciated, and they need guidance, you know, uh, because this is a really vibrant industry for uh, women to contribute to, but they need that door kicked open for them because it's been such a male dominated industry for such a long time. Right. It's, that's all exactly right. Um, and I was not aware of those statistics. That's a little bit discouraging, um, but not too surprising. Uh, another thing that we talked about at a recent Women in Comms workshop at our Big 5G event in Denver about a month ago uh, uh-huh. was that it's uh, Microsoft did a study and found that it's difficult to keep girls in the STEM education track. Um, so tracking all the way through to a, um, a technology science math based career, mm-hmm. a lot of girls will fall away at a certain point. Um, so keeping their interest um, is really important and uh, just giving them continued opportunities in those areas is a big need right now. 
And I think that's where we're, what we're finding is like the, as we go through, you know, various iterations of, uh, you know, various generations in the tech industry, the, the, the industry itself matures, you start to realize that it wasn't just about making the right hires. It wasn't just about adding uh, female seats to the board, or let's just say non-male. Cause I mean, it, in my mind, women in comms encompasses everything that's not the, the norm. Right. Uh, we do know, focus the, a lot the, on the, just having more diversity in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just the, just more diversity in the, in the, in the boardroom and boardroom diversity, definitely uh, leadership diversity. They definitely contribute positively to companies' bottom lines, but, um, but the STEM thing, we're I think only in the last ten years or so have companies really realized that that feeder system, that that farm system, if you will, um, to getting uh, really talented female uh, leaders and engineers and a diversity of voices, it starts in school. Right, um, you ha- you have to get them into those STEM programs. And then, like you said, you got to keep them interested, keep them uh, excited about it as they um, start getting to that point of evaluating career options. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, In that vein, um, you know, there's a number of things that are changing on that front as I'm watching uh, my son grow up and sort of go through, uh, you know, just the way that schools have changed since he started school. Um, Like I said, the past, you know. Yeah, they changed math, right? Yeah, <laughs> we do math completely different. I mean, yeah. we, thought that the, we thought that was a constant and they went and flipped that on right. its head. And I have no, no idea like how the, to help my nieces with their homework. I'm just like, here's a juice know, box great? and I'm going to grab a, a glass of wine and we're just going to, yeah. you know, hope for the best. <laughs> Without seeming like a terrible person, you can literally just shrug and walk away and, and everybody I'm, understands. This um, is not how we did it back in the day when I walked uphill both ways to school. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so they changed math. That was one thing. But another thing is like there's been um, you know, higher emphasis on charter schools, but even in the public school systems, there's a higher there there are certain um uh in 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 the Fort Worth area where I live, they start having the independent school district here has um schools of choice. So they have STEM and visual performing arts high schools um that are, you know, built with a completely different curriculum than the rest of the the high schools so that they can do exactly that. They can really focus in on attracting and nurturing uh, STEM students of all types and really just contributing generally to the diversity of the STEM workforce, you know, not just in tech, but in science and, and other research fields as well, especially engineering. Right. Um, So anyway, um, Yeah, it, it's it's starting to open up, mm-hmm. and that's what's um, you know maybe those stats I shared in the beginning were kind of uh, kind of dire sounding, but but that's why we need those things you know more than ever is because there there's always been this disconnect between you know a, attracting and securing talent as adults and and you know getting that talent from school to realizing that these jobs are out there and that these industries are literally starving for a diversity of voices and for you know for more ideas right what one thing um, i actually took part in in high school or i think it was middle school was um girls in science where we got to meet with um different local scientists and um yeah do some field trips and um, 
then I ended up volunteering at the Museum of Natural Sciences for uh, end of middle school through high school and um, taking care of the program animals there and educating the public on the local um, uh, herpetology. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, so that, that was a really unique experience. Uh, so programs like that, I think, are really helpful to give uh, kids hands-on experience and a really good idea of what it would look like if they went into a field like that. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, here at Light Reading, even though we don't have the the formal program of women in comms as a as a formal um, membership based event uh, program any longer, what we do have is we occasionally will do women in comms breakfast and 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 one off events. We're trying to fold it into our uh, Informa, our parent company's efforts in that space, but we're. What we will continue to do, the things we can control, <laughs> are going to be, uh, you know, continuing to uh, pursue women in comms content and keep adding to that, you know, giving different people in the industry a platform to really um, say what motivates and inspires them, uh, give their thoughts on on the situation, uh, you know, as it is, and also to uh, give advice to um, young people who are coming up through the ranks and maybe just started, you know, in a company or maybe they're interning out of college and, you know, guiding them to that next step. Um, so we'll, we'll keep that kind of content going. We do want to talk about a specific, um, thing you discovered while, uh, doing one of your, one of the, uh, uh, women in comms interviews, um, tall poppy syndrome, and we will come right back and talk about that. Okay, we will get to more women in comms stuff in just a second, and we will reveal what tall poppy syndrome is. But before we do, Kelsey, I have a question. Oh, shoot. What is, uh, what's the deal with the 5G exchange? Tell me what it's all about. Sure. So the 5G exchange is a vetted uh, educational resource repository or hub uh, to mm -hmm. inform communication service providers about emerging trends and also technologies that are enabled by 5G. Uh, so it's free to uh, submit content and there's no registration. Uh, so there's a really low barrier to entry there. And mm -hmm. we post content like white papers, presentations, case studies, videos, blogs and opinions, press releases, all different types of content. But the key is that it's not a dumping ground for product pitches <laughs> or right. marketing fluff. It's um, I have to stress that it's a vetted educational resource so that folks know that, you know, we have read that I've read it or the 5G um, Exchange Council has reviewed it. So we made sure that this is quality content. Um, and it's just a way for readers to have one place that they can go to to get a lot of 5G resources versus doing a lot of Google searches or yeah. you know, their own vetting. 
Well, so that's so we the thing take some of the work out of it for them. As someone who uses the site, I can tell you that the vetting thing is so good because first of all, you're right. I don't have to worry about product pitches, just you know, everything turning into a router commercial at the very <laughs> end of it or something like that. The second thing I love about it is the the low gating, the low barrier to entry. I don't have to sign up for 15 white papers or fill out a you know, a two page form mm-hmm. only to find out that the white paper they sent me to download really doesn't have that much good information in it. Right. Um, it's nice that this information is not just vetted, but is super easy to access. Um, and um, I think people should be uh, bugging their top executives who have, uh, I would say, opinions and information about the five, the world of 5G and examples of what's going on in 5G. Um, if they have executives who uh, want to blog about this, they should be submitting those to the 5G exchange as well, because th- those uh, that variety of industry voices uh, would really uh, not just help the 5G exchange, but it would also um, you know find a broader audience than you can probably get on your corporate blog. Right. Exactly. So we we would love um, to have that type of content uh, submitted. And we have gotten some great articles um, and blogs and and videos submitted already. Um, So yes, please send us more. (laughs) And it's really, it's really easy to (laughs) submit. Um, There's just a submit here button at the top of if you go to the 5g exchange.com. Uh, Mm -hmm. You can submit here. It's just a few questions uh, like name, email address, company, short description of what you're submitting. And then, um, you know, you upload a PDF of it. Um, And so it's, it's really simple. And then you just, you know, check back the site every few minutes. (laughs) Right. As quickly as you can vet it and put it up there. Yeah. You just, you know, sit yourself in front of it and ignore your family and and wait to see it up there. There you go. (laughs) That's my advice. Good times. All right, Kelsey, thanks for that. Uh, Let's take a quick break and we'll return to the podcast. All right, we are back. Uh, Phil Harvey here with Kelsey Zeiser, Senior Editor of Light Reading. And Kelsey, uh, let's get right into it. What exactly is tall poppy syndrome and where did you first hear about this? Yeah, so it's actually not a gardening term, um, (laughs) though it might sound like one, but I had never heard of it before uh, at the Big 5G event in our women in comms workshop, um, Shay Phillips was discussing it during her fireside chat. You talked about tall poppy syndrome. I think a lot of people might not be familiar with what that is. Um, Funny, so I didn't know what it was before either. Um, So tall poppy syndrome is actually um, a misperception that people have about people who are successful. So they assume that because you're successful, um, that you're unapproachable and they do things to try to discredit you or um, damage your, your reputation. And apparently the term was coined in Australia. Uh, and according to Oxford Dictionary, it is uh-huh. a tendency in Australian society to try and cut down people who are considered to be too successful or prominent. 
In other words, cutting the tall poppies down to size. Uh, so they oh, were, okay. yeah, they were talking about it more specifically and how it applies to women in the tech or telecommunications industries, uh, how, you know, women in leadership roles, uh, others might try and cut them down to size or say that they're too uh, aggressive or use derogatory terms or, or just try and thwart their success. We also talked about another term sticking with the gardening type theme <laughs> called the queen, <laughs> <laughs> called the queen bee. Uh, and that is uh, describing successful women that may undermine their female colleagues instead of helping them move up in their careers. Uh, and the uh, Atlantic okay. found that that's generally triggered in male-dominated environments in which women may be devalued. So perhaps the queen bee syndrome is a way for, um, you know, maybe women feel they have to act a certain way in male-dominated environments to be successful. And part of that perhaps I think is cutting down other female colleagues, which is, you know, seems a little counterintuitive, but it certainly, um, you know, thwarts the whole idea of women lifting each other up. So, um, yeah, it's interesting too, because I I could see how that would even happen, um, you know, for a particular, for a driven individual, you know, she's just trying to, she fought really hard to get where she's at. She's blend, she's blending in well, and then she might have that tendency and then just do it unconsciously, mm-hmm. just, you know, slagging off fellow female employees, not even real, realizing that, you know, the the kind of the the longer term damage that that does, because it just it just, you know, just shores up those biases and those tendencies that are already in the workplace, you know, especially among companies that are, you know, run uh predominantly by men it, in terms of, uh, like you said, just makes it that much easier for them to look down their nose at, uh, you know, when a female colleague has ideas or is trying to get a point across or, or whatever. Exactly. It makes me think a lot of like that movie, the devil wears Prada, <laughs> for example, of just yeah, having yeah. this really successful, um, woman in leadership who's just taking every opportunity to um, cut down female colleagues and see what they're really made of. So unfortunately, it like you said, it perpetuates that problem of um, having enough women in tech and communications roles. Shay Phillips, her she was from AT&T, is that correct? Yes, that's right. She's on the okay. um, IoT side. That's right. Okay. I, I wanted to make sure I, I identified her completely because um, uh, we interview a number of different, a uh, number of different people and different service providers. And sometimes um, uh, I'm, this is maybe a bad thing to admit. I'm kind of terrible with names sometimes when, when it comes it's to these things. <laughs> um, I'm, so I'm what are some difficult. other, it's, it's hard for me too. <laughs> yeah. What are, what are some other um, areas where, uh, you know, did she, did she have any particular advice for women who are, um, coming up in the, you know, coming up the ranks and maybe, you know, run into, uh, someone who's doing the queen bee routine or, um, or someone who, you know, they want to like the tall poppy thing. Mm -hmm. They want to get their ideas out there, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, everybody's just so brutal when, 
you know, new ideas are brought up and that sort of thing that they, maybe they shy away from it. She did have a lot of really great advice and it was nice to hear her own personal stories and how she's, um, come over some of, you know, what, uh, this queen bee or tall poppy, how that could create some, some issues. She's gone around it by, uh, identifying a career sponsor. Um, and that's something we talk a lot about within women in comms as well is the difference between a sponsor and a mentor. Uh, I think people are more familiar with mentors, um, someone mm-hmm. who you can go to for questions, who uh, kind of help point you in the right direction in your career. Whereas a sponsor is someone who is really going to challenge you to try new things, try new product projects, uh, challenge yourself in your career, uh, and also just help you keep on that trajectory uh, that that you're focused on. And her sponsor, she said, always kept an open door policy. And even when she moved into different roles and maybe didn't directly report to this person, um, she could still call on her no matter how high up uh, her sponsor went. So that really went against the whole Queen Bee idea of this woman who was um, excelling in her career was still willing to meet with Phillips and uh, challenge her along the way and and be a role model and provide advice. Uh, And Shay also talked about how uh, sponsorship and mentorship is a two-way street and that if you are receiving that um, advice and assistance from someone, you also need to give back to them. Uh, And one way of doing that is maybe you find an article that's of interest to them or perhaps a video or uh, maybe there's something you saw on LinkedIn. um, And this is just me talking now, not necessarily her advice, but maybe you take them out to lunch or coffee and you pay for it. Right. That kind of thing. So just showing that you're not it's not just a take relationship, but that you're also, you know, even if they're at a different level than you, you're really interested in their success as well. Um, she said, you can't yeah. always make withdrawals. You have to make deposits too. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's great. No, that's great advice. Cause it, well, and we all get in that space of, uh, you know, of we, we get so busy in our, we just keep our head down and we try not to get involved. Right. You know, like there's that, Oh, I've got so much work to do. I, I just can't get involved. The truth is it costs so little you know, not just in time, but monetarily and every other way to help someone along who needs it. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is just, you know, a few minutes on the phone, uh, like you said, a quick lunch or coffee, something you were going to do anyway, and hear that person out, let them, let them tell you where they are. And, um, I love the idea of, you know, show them support and maybe a, in a different mm-hmm. way. Don't just tell them, Hey, everything's going to be fine. Challenge them. Hey, why do you want to do that? What makes you think you're going to be good in that particular thing versus this thing over here that you were mm-hmm. doing? Um, I, I think that's a really productive kind of uh, uh, way to approach it because then you really, um, you know, you not only give that person a bit more confidence, but you also, uh, um, you know, probably learn a little bit more about, you know, them as an individual and what they're capable of, which, you know, is as, you know, senior manager bias here, um, <laughs> we're always recruiting. We're always looking out for talented people. We should always have our head on a swivel. And when we see somebody sort of rise up the ranks and show some initiative, it's like, Hey, I don't, I need to get them to work for me somehow. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so anyway, yeah, it's a good, uh, I, I thought the interview was great. I, I, um, really liked what she had to say and I'm glad that we're, um, making a platform for those kind of conversations on, um, within light reading. Um, real quick, what are some other, uh, of your, uh, uh, you know, while people are cruising through women and comms content, uh, are there some other interviews that have, uh, stood out to you, uh, of late? Uh, another one that was, uh, recent was we have a mentor spotlight or mentor Monday where we do Q and a style interview, um, with a woman uh-huh. in comms. Uh, and a recent one was with glow Gordon, who was recently, uh, nominated onto the board for matrix. Uh, and, I talked to her about diversity in the boardroom and why that's important. And she had some advice on uh, just some different resources um, such as tapping LinkedIn. And she had some other different um, initiatives that she shared for women that might be interested in that trajectory to um, join a board at some point in their career, how they can go about doing that. And, you know, also talked about why it's important for companies to have diversity of thought in the boardroom, just because um, consumers are so diverse too. And we know that a lot of women are um, the purchasers and households. So it's really important for uh, companies to have women on their board as well. Um, But not just women have, uh, you know, folks from a variety of different um, backgrounds and ethnicities, um, to have that diversity of thought. So that was an interesting one, um, that we did recently. And I have a couple in the hopper that'll be up there pretty soon as well. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, The, the diversity of thought thing is, is, um, again, you know, senior manager bias here, uh, you know, (laughs) it, it, there's nothing worse than a, brainstorming session or newsroom discussion when everyone in the thing just goes, yeah, no, that sounds, that sounds fine. <laughs> sure. You know, and, there, and there's just no feedback at all. There's no, uh, Hey, why don't we do this? Or, Hey, what about this? It, it really, um, yeah, it really, it really, uh, it makes the workplace more lively, but I think ultimately whether you're producing content or products for consumers or whatever, building networks, it, it, it makes what you do better, especially when you get the, um, you know, more points of view involved and you, uh, and you actually hear what they have to say. It's a, it's a good thing. Right. Yeah. There are some, um, product names and acronyms in our industry that you can tell there were no women at that conference table. (laughs) (laughs) We would have stopped them and said, you know, that's, that's maybe not. I know. Yeah. It's like, why don't we just, uh, can we just not do that? How about that? How about? I heard there's an acronym, um, cloud bras. I can't remember what it stands for, but like that, there weren't (laughs) any women around when they settled on that, that acronym. No, just a bunch of, just a bunch of mouth breeders probably. (laughs) Oh boy. Well, uh, well, we'll look forward to, uh, uh, catching up again soon, uh, for another women in comms update. Um, so that is it, folks. That's this podcast. Uh, the podcast is mixed and edited by Tian Fu, senior producer in our New York-based light reading video team. Tian's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, 
you can uh, reach us by emailing editors at lightreading.com or you can follow us on Twitter. We're light underscore reading. Uh, for the articles and research and uh, women in comms interviews discussed in the show, please uh, visit lightreading.com and search podcast. We always put our show notes in the podcast, uh, when in the blogs labeled podcast. Um, the podcast is available on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Probably a lot of other places too, but I just stopped naming them after after a while. It's really uh, really tedious. Um, as long as iTunes is still around, uh, please leave us a review on iTunes. After it goes away, just tell somebody about it. Okay. Um, <laughs> tell your we'll friends. Re- I know. There you go. Just tell all your friends yeah. about it. That's all. Um, we'll be right back uh, with with another episode real soon. Uh, you there with the headphones? Thanks for listening, uh, Kelsey. Thank you for helping out and for all the stuff that you do. Sure. Thanks, Phil. I will talk to you later. Bye. Bye.